Well, it'll just be you, me, and Nick. Spencer, you always get all the answers. It's time for the Sports Mix on Talk Radio WRNR and TV 10. Let's mix it up with a breakdown of some local, regional, and national sports with Spencer Dupuis and Nick Verzellini. Welcome into the first show here on Talk Radio WRNR. This first segment is presented by Brown's Funeral Home and Cremation Roberts Fields and Sons, a family-owned, full-service funeral home that has proudly served our area since 1880. Welcome into the Sports Mix. I'm Spencer Dupuis. And I'm Nick Verzellini. Excited to uh, get it started, Spencer. First ever episode and uh, a lot to talk about today in sports. Yeah, there is a lot to talk about in sports. And, you know, one of the biggest events over the weekend, a very sad event, was we lost Bobby Bowden, a legendary football coach. He coached really most of his career at Florida State, but he began his head coaching career at West Virginia. Yeah, great coach and even better person. I think, you know, throughout his time at West Virginia and Florida State, you know, a legend of the game. But, you know, I think back to what he did for Marshall University, and obviously you and I know that story pretty well, being Marshall grads, helping to get that program kind of restarted when Coach Lingle went to him and wanted to learn the Veer Ops. Veer offense him and Red Dawson went there and you know he showed them film he gave them chance to watch practice and and gave them pretty much West Virginia's playbook and that speaks to what kind of person he was and then as a coach you know I mean a great career at both WVU and Florida State and one of the best coaches uh the Mountaineers have had and just you know it's sad day He, he had COVID I believe last year and then I think it was cancer that he died from so he's had kind of a rough last two years and he was supposed to actually speak i think at marshall right before the COVID outbreak started i believe it was during the some sort of hall of fame speech he was supposed to give and he didn't never got to give that so very sad to lose him you know a legendary coach and a great person yeah and you know something is that his son terry you know he's a great coach in his own right now he um he's the one that kind of said that he it was initially announced as a terminal medical condition in July, and then Terry came out and said that it was pancreatic cancer. So very sad news to die of cancer. Um, he was 91. That's a that's a long life, and he was the he ranked second all time in Division One college football wins. That speaks for itself. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you know, like I said, a great coach, um, and what he did for Marshall, what he did for WVU, and then eventually at Florida State, I think, um, you know, had a lot of success. And I believe you have a clip from Nick Saban talking about kind of his legacy as a coach. And Saban, obviously, a West Virginia native, so probably grew up kind of following Bowden's career and um, came through the coaching ranks. And obviously, you know, that's a guy that had great respect for Bobby Bowden as a coach. Yeah, and uh, it just so happened he had his media availability yesterday after their Sunday practice, and here it is. You know, a couple of things I'd like to mention is, um, you know, Coach Bobby Bowden's passing is something that uh, really is um, saddens all of college football. Uh, this guy was probably uh, the greatest ambassador, at least in my view, or one of the great ambassadors of all time. Uh, because he coached, he had success coaching, but he was also one of the greatest people uh, and set a, an outstanding example for everyone in our profession in terms of 
Uh, you don't have to dislike somebody. You don't have to discredit somebody that you're competing against that, um, you, you, your, example of being a, a good person, uh, is, you know, something that can help us all professionally. Uh, he wasn't always just about him. Uh, he was always about helping other people and our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, um, and friends, uh, th this, this is, um, very sad time for all of us, but, you know, coach Bowden leaves a legacy that, uh, a lot of us can continue to learn from and grow from and, uh, something that will never be forgotten. That was Nick Saban, the Alabama head coach, West Virginia native on the legacy of Bobby Bowden. And in his, in his 44 years as a head coach, he had 40 winning seasons, including 33 consecutive at Florida State, 36 Division 1A winning seasons from 1987 through 2000. Uh, he coached Florida State to 14 straight seasons with 10 or more victories. His team had a final ranking in the top five of, of the major polls every year. The consistency is yeah. what stands out to me. At Florida State, his teams were 315, 98, and 4. I mean, that's incredible. And then um, 27 consecutive seasons where he led his team to bowl games. So if Bobby Bowden was your coach, your team was going to win. And that seems to be uh, really what that guy was all about in terms of being a coach and, um, you know, really had Florida State at its peak why people consider Florida State to be one of the elite programs. Obviously, Jimbo Fisher kind of picked up that again, but now they're down. is because of Bobby Bowden and what he did for um, that team. And he is a West Virginia native, correct? Yeah. So, is he? I'm not know. certain. But um, if he is, I mean, that just adds to the uh, the West Virginians. No, he was born in Birmingham, okay. Alabama. My bad. Well, then never mind. <laughs> But, but his first big-time head coaching job was at West Virginia right? after he was the OC for three or four seasons. And, you know, we talked about what he did for Marshall. And that movie line, I don't necessarily know if that's how it went in actuality in real life. But, you know, when Matthew McConaughey, who was playing Coach Lingle, and he, he said, you know, that's class act, Coach, that's class act. And when he saw the back of the helmets, what they were wearing to tribute them, I feel like that is that just embodies kind of um you know who Bobby Bowden is and who what the state of West Virginia is when it comes to one another and everybody in the community as as a whole in the state of what I've learned you know in in my time living in West Virginia is that whenever something happens people come together no matter if you love them you hate them you're indifferent about them Yeah definitely and I think you know, everything in that scene did happen. It might not have been the exact wordage that they used, but yeah, West Virginia honored Marshall, I believe, with a sticker on their helmets that season. Um, so I think they wanted, they offered to play Ohio too, but the NCAA didn't allow it. Um, but, you know, that was a nice offer, offer of them. And, you know, very sad day yesterday. But like we said, you know, lived to 91, lived a great life. And, had tremendous success everywhere he went yeah and now we'll transition over to some more local west virginia action as in the south little league baseball southeast regional yesterday or actually was friday through yesterday did west virginia's jefferson county little league team who won the state tournament a few weeks back competed in warner robbins georgia they lost yesterday and ended their run but they had a they uh were able to top 
Virginia 75 on Saturday and just their run this year overall was really good and it was able to see that as kind of my first on-air reps here at WRNR was doing little league games with Colin McLaughlin and that team is really good and they're going to a lot of them are going to age out especially like Surf Guerra and and you know Harry Garrett I believe may age out as well but that Little League team is a good team and could be good things for Jefferson High School going in a few years. Yeah, it's really tough uh, with the region West Virginia has been put in. I believe it's the Southeast region. So yeah. they have to play, you know, teams Alabama, that – South right. Carolina, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, Virginia, North And those Carolina. teams can play year-round. While in West Virginia, you really can't do that. I mean, not all those teams, but a lot of the – more southern teams can so it's a tough region i think if west virginia was in more like the mid-atlantic they could probably have a team because i don't believe they've already ever had a team in the little league world series but um you know a really strong run from this team they did lose and i believe it was 11 to 4 in their final game to tennessee but they were one and two in that section of the tournament and you know way to represent jefferson county and and make it to the regional unfortunately they couldn't make it further but overall you know just to have a team from our part of the state i think says a lot yeah and especially considering right now you know they didn't get to play last year so able to make it all the way to to the state or to the region tournament a year after not being able to play due to covid that's got to make them really happy yeah spencer i believe we got a good break yeah, we do have to go to break right now as this last segment was sponsored by Skinner Law Firm. We treat you like family. If you've been injured, contact the Skinner Law Firm today. We'll use all of our resources to get you what you deserve. Skinnerfirm.com. And coming up next on the show, we'll talk more sports right here on The Sports Mix. Yep, with great... If you're in an accident, the first thing that you have to do is call 911. You have to get medical care immediately. The next thing you need to do is call us. When you hire us at the Skinner Law Firm, what we do is we are gonna investigate your case. We're gonna lay out the options that you have, all at no cost to you. We will use all of our resources and all of our experience to get you what you deserve. That's what we mean by treating you like family. If you or someone you know suffers from the disease of addiction, help is available from the Berkeley County Quick Response Team with peer recovery coaches and support promptly to the homes of those who've recently experienced an overdose. This collective effort towards recovery brings resources and services to the community, including naloxone and treatment options. Call 304-267-1313 or visit the Berkeley County Recovery Resource Center, 400 West Stephen Street, Martinsburg. The Berkeley County Quick Response Team is funded through a DHHR grant with the Berkeley Morgan County Health Department. Orsini's not just an appliance store anymore. They're your one-stop resource for all home needs, whether it's custom kitchen design, countertops, or cabinets, or check out their new sleep studio with Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, and Stearns and Foster. For all of your outdoor living needs, Orsini's has Gladiator Garage Works, Traeger Grills, Barbecue Accessories, Barbecue Rubs and Sauces, and every flavor wood pellets. Visit their brand new 8,200-square-foot showroom at 360 Hack Wilson Way, 304-267-7251, Orsini's.com. 
This is Joe Ferretti to announce the formation of a new personal injury law firm, Mansion Ferretti. You know me as a local lawyer handling personal injury and motor vehicle accident claims for almost 30 years. I have joined up with three experienced attorneys to form this new firm. At Mansion Ferretti, you will get the same effective and personal relationship you have come to expect from me for the past three decades. I am still at 408 West King Street and can be reached at 304-264-8505. Now with more lawyers and resources at Mansion Ferretti, it's about seeking justice for you. Welcome back to the Sports Mix here on Talk Radio WRNR 106.5 FM AM 740 and TV 10 on Facebook as well. Nick, we're going to talk some baseball right now. So the Washington Nationals, obviously a couple weeks ago, they, they really you know ended their season essentially by trading off everybody and started a mini rebuild. But um, the people they got back, though, they're starting to make an impact. Yeah. Well, I believe I said that Josiah Gray, he's a top 50 prospect when they acquired him, and then so is Kiebert Ruiz, uh, the catcher that they acquired. So they got two pretty good prospects now. They gave up Scherzer. They gave up Trey Turner, who have been now with playing well with the Dodgers. But Josiah Gray's looked good in his first two starts. My only concern about him, Spencer, he's only gone five innings in both those starts. I'd like to see him be able to – you know, pitch deeper into the ball game. But in terms of his outings, he's been solid. And um, I think he might work out well for them as a future, maybe not an ace, but at least a two or three option for you. We don't know what's going to happen with Strasburg down the line. But, I mean, this is a team that is entering kind of a mini rebuild. And we'll see how it works out. Josiah Gray now with a four ERA, 25 strikeouts on the season. Here's one strikeout. That was the 10th strikeout on Saturday. Now the pitch. Did he go? Check swing. They'll appeal. And yes, it's a swing, says John Lipka, the third base umpire. And Adrianza knew it. He strikes out the 10th strikeout of the game for Josiah Gray. So 10 strikeouts in five innings on Saturday. Continues to lower his ERA. And it's pretty good for a, a young guy. He only went five innings, 10 Ks. Imagine if he kept going. Yeah, um, in his two starts, you know, 10 innings total, four hits in both games, so eight, eight hits overall, three runs, but only two of them have been earned, one home run in each start uh, given up, and then 12 strikeouts overall. So he's been a really solid contributor. Like I said, I think he'll be, you know, toward the top of the rotation for this team. And to get those pieces back, especially because it doesn't seem like Trey Turner was going to re-sign, Scherzer's 37, I believe, so he's on his way out anyway, even if he came back next year. You get two young guys that could make an impact for your team long-term. At least in that trade, I think the Nats might end up winning that. Unless, But if the Dodgers go on and win the World Series, then they don't care about what happens Yeah, in the I future. mean, they're just, to them, Scherzer's just a rental that can push them to the World Series after probably they probably will not get Trevor Bauer back this year. But another player that performed really well that was a trade acquisition was Riley Adams. He is a catcher, and he was traded, I believe he's from Toronto. Is that correct? The Toronto organization, I think. Yeah, the Toronto Blue Jays. He was drafted 2017 in the third round, and he had a two-run shot on Saturday night, and here is the two-run shot. Batter will be Riley Adams. 
the rookie catcher looking for his first hit as a national and the pitch swung on hit high in the air deep left field way back going going gone goodbye unbelievable a two run home run for Riley Adams his first hit in a nationals uniform leaves the park that's pretty good to be your first hit in a, in a Nats uniform as a home run. And a player like Riley Adams could be the catching prospect they really needed because they haven't really had many catching prospects. They've really been using free agency the last few years. Yeah, and they've been old guys, right? Yeah, like I mean, you had Matt Wieters. Matt, we- Matt Wieters. Which they're still paying, I believe, this year, if I saw something correctly on the on spot. Let me try it out for Team USA. <laughs> He did not make it, in I case you didn't think know. he did. But uh, they haven't really had consistent consistency at that spot since Wilson Ramos and Kurt Suzuki. Yeah, and Suzuki is older, too. So yeah. now they got a ton of <laughs> catching prospects because they just got Ruiz in the deal with the Dodgers. And uh, Adams is obviously a young guy that they're looking forward to seeing what he can do. The thing about catcher is can those guys move around? Can they maybe move to first? Or some guys have even moved to the outfield. Jason Wirth one of the more famous guys to go from catcher uh, to an outfield position. Adams is 25, so a little bit older on the prospect side, but you know, good frame for him, 6'4", 225. Um, we'll see if he works out. So in the top 26 prospects, uh, according to MLB's prospect list, which they have the top 30 on their website, f- what is it? One, two, That's three, on the Nats, right? Yeah. yeah. Four, five of them are catchers including Tress Barrera, who's getting playing time right now, and then uh, Drew Milos, who is in high A ball, and then Israel Panita, who is in rookie ball, I believe, if I saw that right, or high A ball as well. And then you have Riley Adams, who's now in the MLB, and then Kiebert Ruiz, who's at AAA right now. So they got something's going to be done with some of those players if they want to make it to the bigs, whether they transition to first base or the outfield. The thing is, though, too, sometimes you just need to have good players. Yeah. And you can turn those good players into superstar players that are already developed, like the Los Angeles Dodgers just just did, right? I mean, you traded a starting pitcher who you know is going to be pretty good in Josiah Gray and a potentially really good catcher, and you got two guys that are already proven that could maybe help you win a World Series. So maybe in a year or two, some of those catchers – continue to climb up the rankings and you can deal them for a starter at, that's going to be a rental or a shortstop or whatever you may need so whenever you enter any sort of rebuild it's all about just acquiring good players and you'll figure it out later what you do with them yeah i mean you could probably use them again later on trading to another team right uh other nats news ryan zimmerman is approaching the franchise record for most games played mr nat i believe he's mr national right he's already probably got the nationals record but the expos are included in the record books so whenever he plays his next game or gets in a game so it should happen tomorrow against the mets i would think he's gonna play at some point yeah especially if soto's not back you might put him at first and then well even if he doesn't start bring bell in the outfield yeah he could pinch hit for a pitcher at some point so we're gonna probably see the record be broken tomorrow and uh, you know, you've been the lifelong national fan, so I'll kind of defer to you. But even I remember, you know, growing up when the Nats first became a team and stuff. I mean, Zimmerman was always the guy that you looked to, and 
he was their superstar and he was their best player for a long time yeah and i mean back in i think it was 2008 he signed you know like the alex ovechkin contract of dc for the nationals he signed a big contract back then and then he had his shoulder issues at third base then they moved him to first base he played a little left field in the early in, i believe it was 2013 2014 when he came back from injury and they still had laroche at first base so he's he's played a lot i mean he's the franchise i would i guess you would say and you know he, he's getting close to 300 home runs he's at 281 so he's in his 19 left and he's got over a thousand and fifty rbis that's just that's consistency when you've played in six thousand games and you're the team on a you're the player on a team that for most of the time for the first what was it eight years of him being on the team they weren't he was he was the rookie the guy that was going to be the the franchise coming up and they weren't a good team at all from 2005 to 2011 and then in 2012 they kind of started to become what they have been over the last you know so many years that culminated in the 2019 world series championship yeah and when i think about him too i just think about a guy that kind of stuck with it and also i remember when he got injured and i remember people being like i don't know if ryan zimmerman's ever going to be the same player again and he quickly proved maybe not to be the elite player that he once was but still a very good contributor for this team over numerous seasons and a guy that you know day in and day out was usually there and usually ready to play you know could do a lot of different things as you mentioned play the outfield play first play third was pretty good on defense had a good back good power you know just a solid all-around player that you need on a world championship team and that's what he ended up helping them be a part of so you think back to some of the players that kind of helped get the Nats from a bottom of the league club to the top of the league you think about him you think about Bryce Harper yeah Steven Strasburg you know that's kind of the big three right there um obviously Bryce Harper Jason, was not on the I would say Jason team. Worth as well because that yeah. was the that was the biggest contract they had signed to somebody to that was during that time period to start and I think you gotta throw Juan Soto in there as being kind of those homegrown guys that all built this franchise to now a year in and year out you're saying well the Washington Nationals should be pretty good this year which before you used to say the irrelevant team the Washington Nationals and I think something that Zimmerman has really, you know, embraced over the last couple of seasons, you know, he didn't play last season due to COVID. He didn't, he opted out like a, a bunch of players, including Joe Ross did for the Nats, was he's embraced this season specifically his utility man, bench man role that he didn't want to play elsewhere. He didn't want to go to the Na- the American League and be a DH. He wanted to stay with the Nationals and finish his career in Washington. Do you think this will be his last season? I think that he might come back next year and do the similar thing that he did. It all depends if he wants to come back because he obviously took a very low deal this year, a deal that only somebody like him for his hometown discount would have taken. So I think it all depends on if he's ready to go or not and if he thinks next year they can contend again. Yeah, I mean, I think as a pinch hitter, he can still contribute 245 average this year, 11 home runs, uh, 45 RBIs, or 37 RBIs, excuse me. So he's been contributing. He's been injured this year a little bit too. He'll be 37 next year, so we'll see if he's back. But if he's not, um, what a career he'll be 
definitely in the Nats Hall of Fame, if nothing else. Oh, yeah, he'll definitely be in the D.C. Sports Hall of Fame. And this segment was brought to you by Parsons Ford, Kent Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Part, go to ParsonsFordOfMartinsburg.com as we get ready to head into another break. We will, when we come back, we'll talk to head football coach at Martinsburg High School, Britt Sherman. That's next on the Sports Mix. With four new car dealerships and four used car dealerships in three states, Parsons is the largest used car and fastest growing new car dealer in the tri-state area. Take Parsons Ford with huge savings on hundreds of new Fords, financing from 0%, Parsons' goal of financing for all, and Parsons' famous above-market trade-in allowances that help make Parsons number one for used cars, too. See why so many won't buy anywhere but Parsons Ford in Martinsburg. We became number one by making you number one first. Parsons. WVU Medicine introduces a new minimally invasive hysterectomy surgery to our area. V-Notes is an advanced gynecologic technique that provides many benefits to patients, such as shorter hospital stays, less post-operative pain, faster recoveries, and no visible scars. Dr. Aaron Miller and Dr. Lori Tucker with WVU Medicine OBGYN in Martinsburg are the only OBGYNs in the Baltimore-Washington metropolitan area currently offering this cutting-edge procedure. WVU Medicine, the future of surgery is here. Safety doesn't come from owning a gun, it's knowing how to safely use it. Valley Guns 2 off I-81 Exit 5 in Wood offers four levels of defensive handgun training. Get started with Basic Handgun 1, a one-day course focused on six fundamentals of shooting, basic safety, and gun handling. Then sign up for Basic, Intermediate, and Advanced Defensive Handgun courses. Valley Guns 2 has a 197-acre complex in Hampshire County with a 2,400-square-foot indoor facility and various ranges. Find out more at valleyguns2.com or phone 304-229-4411. Come ride with us and now ride more easily. Tired of hunting for the right change to get on the bus? Now you can use your smartphone to pay for all your trips when you ride with EPTA and get 50% off your first purchase. Text the word TOKEN, T-O-K-E-N, to 41411 for the download link and download the new TOKEN Transit app, which is available in the Apple App Store or on Google Play. Text TOKEN to 41411 and put the new TOKEN Transit app to work for you when you ride with us. Come ride with us. Nick, you know, we had to start with that song, The Boys of Fall, as we're getting ready to approach high school football season here in the Mountain State. And we're going to bring on head coach of the Martinsburg Bulldogs, Britt Sherman. Hey, coach, how you doing today? I'm doing well, guys. How y'all doing? Pretty good. Excited to have you as our first guest on the Sports Mix this season. I'll be out there color being the color analyst for your broad for the broadcast of the Martinsburg game. And Matt Miller will be the play-by-play guy through this season. Um, how are you excited for the season? You guys getting ready? Yes, sir. Yeah, we're really excited, and I'm honored to be your first guest. I appreciate that. We, uh, you know, we've been going at it since Monday, and uh, two days, but we can't do them every day. You know, so two a day, then one a day, alternating, and uh, you know, mostly last week was conditioning, stuff and helmets, but uh, we got into pads on Friday, and just getting excited, you know gearing up for our first scrimmage. Hi, coach. This is Nick Verzellini. Um, just wondering, I guess, how, how's the team look so far? Um, 
what what have you been kind of focusing on entering this season? Well, I mean, on paper we look pretty good. I mean, we we got you know a lot of talent um, with uh, Braxton Todd, who's already committed to Bowling Green, Jacob Barrett, who's had offers from you know Marshall, UAB, and then we have uh, you know a lot of other really good players, Hudson Clement, you know, top top ranked receiver in the uh, state and. And we, you know, we have a bunch of young guys that are that are uh, coming up that are that are young, but not the excuse that oh well we're young, but they're young and talented, so they're playing earlier because they're talented. So, you know, it's it's a good good problem to have with some of those younger guys, and, and uh, you know we're just trying to trying to gel right now, form a little chemistry. Uh, we actually have some some bigger athletic guys this year, so people are going to see some tight end sets and some stuff that, you know, you've, probably, you've not seen from Martinsburg football since 2013. So, you know, we're just trying to, to tweak our offense and, and uh, you know, use our best 11 guys and, and just uh, working on all that stuff right now and, and, and just getting them ready. So you guys got a few more practices before your first scrimmage. That's this Saturday against Massaponics of Virginia, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll scrimmage them at 6 at Coburn Field, Walker Stadium, um, Saturday at 6. What are you anticipating from your guys in the scrimmage? Well, first scrimmage, you usually get, you know, set of 10 plays with your varsity, um, at least usually two sets, varsity offense, varsity defense, and then you just try to get a lot of reps out of, out of younger guys and everybody else, um, your twos and threes, you know, first scrimmage i talked to the coach here at massaponics and just was like i just want to get a lot of guys reps because first scrimmage you want to see see what happens when the live bullets start firing and um you know who's gonna who's gonna perform and then you know who maybe has been doing pretty well in practice drills and stuff like that but then when they you know get a running back running out of full speed maybe doesn't do as well coach anybody in particular anybody in particular stand out to you so far that Maybe people don't know about or haven't seen a whole, haven't seen get a whole lot of playing time yet. Uh, yeah, I mean we have we have a bunch of really young guys that are that are uh, that are really talented. You know, you start with Aiden Fleming, who uh, started for us last year as a freshman D lineman. It just doesn't happen a whole lot at Martinsburg, but we were a little thin last year, and and uh, you know he came in and kind of surprised us. And uh, now we're looking we're looking for him to start both ways for us this year as a sophomore. Um, another lineman, EJ Hendricks, uh, really really talented kid as a sophomore. Will be another lineman joining our three seniors up front: uh, Zittle, Slack, and Petri. And then um, quarter, a quarterback. We're we're going to kind of be a two quarterback system. We have Ezra Bajan, who's of course Tyson's younger brother, and, and Ezra. Just, just like Tyson, you know, did huge leaps and bounds from his sophomore to junior season. Um, you know, grow, grew, stretched up a little bit, but just worked really hard and has got himself in, into a uh, position to play. And then Murphy Clement's going to be our other quarterback. He's more of a dual threat. He's a sophomore. He'll run, throw, but he plays a lot of defense. He turns kick force, kicks force as well. So, um, you know, it'll be a good system that because when Murph, Murph uh, you know, is, is tired with, with running the ball and stuff like that, we can throw Ezra in the next play and, and just not miss a beat, you know, and have a fresh guy in there. 
and then uh, we, you know, we have a lot of we have a lot of other skill guys that are, that are uh, coming up. Kyle Walker's a kid that didn't play a whole lot for us on offense and defense in the past, but he'll be a two-way starter. He's one of the fastest kids in the area. Um, that'll be a senior. Uh, Cassius Gideon's a kid that's a freshman that's uh, even young for his age. Should be in eighth grade. Um, he'll be playing for us a good bit. Davion Kendall. Be playing some running back, Eric King, running back and D line force. Cam Shallis, who started for us on defense, will play some play a, play a role in offense this year as well. So, you know, we got got a good group of guys that uh, that have worked really hard. And uh, since we could be in there February 13th on, they uh, they've really done a lot to uh, improve themselves this offseason. So your guys' first game is going to be at Salem in Virginia. What are, what are you telling your team kind of – I guess you'll kind of see it with these two scrimmages against the two Virginia teams is they played their last season in the spring. You guys were fortunate enough to be able to play – it's kind of, you know, a, a adjusted fall schedule last year. What what do you think the differences are going to be in maybe the, the way that, that they're out there and they, they've had – you know, they just played a whole, you know, whole 10-game season come a few months ago, and they've got to get back on the field in August. How do you think your team will have an advantage to that? Well, I don't think there's, I don't think there's going to be an advantage or disadvantage. They didn't get to play a full season um, in the spring. It was still shortened. Um, and, then, you know, it's not going to be the same team. They had a lot of really good seniors on their team last year. They also had a lot of really good young guys. You know, they get the quarterback back, the fullback back, um, a couple really good linemen. Division one receiver, EB kid. So, you know, they won the 4A state championships. Whether they did it in the fall or the spring, we have to be ready to go, you know, at the first game. So, um, you know, it's just it's just the fact that we, we just got to be ready to go. And, uh, you know, whether they're a little more rusty because they, you know, came all the spring season and then tried to get into summer lifting and, or, you know, whether they're sharp. You know, it, it, nobody's going to remember that ten years from now when they look back at the schedule and see wins and losses. Coach, what's been the uh, kind of some of the challenges you faced with not only a weird year last year in terms of the regular season, but then heading into this off season with all the uh, stuff you had to deal with with COVID and stuff? Um, how's that kind of affected what would be a normal high school off season for you? You know, we lost about a month and a half, two months, really. If you think about coming back into February and having the snows and stuff like that we had. So, you know, we missed about two months in the uh, in the winter. And then our summer was interrupted because all the spring sports got taken into June. So you couldn't do your June period. So it was a it, it was a kind of a cat and mouse type situation with trying to get as much work in as we could. And at the same time, not burning these guys out. You know, we, we had 12 flex days that we used in May and June. And then we came in in July, and we could have used three weeks. And, and I thought at that point that we had, we'd got a lot of good work in, and we didn't need to use three weeks. So we took a week, and we uh, we worked and, and got some good work in, and we gave the guys off the rest of the time. But, guys, I, I think the major thing with this whole ordeal is, is uh, just youth stability. And yeah, I see it. I see it daily, and I know everybody else in education and coaching sees it. 
I think we're doing a major disservice to our youth by not not having them at school every day, doing the things that they need to to do socially. And you know, we give them a lot of excuses now to just oh well, you don't you don't have to do this or that. You know, if you have a you have a runny nose or you don't feel good, you know, it's okay to miss a week and and you know not not come around and you know not understand the health implications. And I'm not saying that. That it's that's wrong one way or the other, but there's a lot of instability right now in, in the youth of America, and uh, you know we see it we see it daily. We see a lot of a lot of guys play for us last year that you know just didn't come back out this year because they sat at home, did click uh, classwork, and then when it came back out to coming and working hard and lifting and and doing some running around, it just it just didn't uh, really entice them this year because of because of the year they had last year so no i think like i said we're doing a doing a disservice to our youth not being in school and not you know having full schedules and practices and and things like that um specifically you know like last season where you guys had the coding on the maps have they given you any guidance if that's going to be another thing this year with the delta variant and everything so we're passing the buck the other direction this year last year we passed the buck to the top this year they're passing the buck to the bottom. So we're not looking at statewide anything this year. So this year we'll be looking at schools and locality. The local government can decide whether or not, uh, you know, we need to shut a school down or to, you know, not play a game or a team if there's outbreaks in a certain team or school or things like that. So that's the guidance that we've gotten so far. So it's not going to be a color map. It's not going to be any of that stuff. It's going to be uh, just the schools. You know, if there's an outbreak or has some cases, then they're uh, they'll shut that down. So hopefully, coach, you guys uh, get back to kind of a sense of normalcy, right, with this season and uh, kind of getting back to that now with practice starting up and scrimmage in a few weeks. You know, that's the hope. The hope is that we get back to as normal as we can be, and. Uh, you know, we, we get to have a full season. We get a plan. Plan is normal. And, uh, you know, we, we joked a little bit last year that it was, you know, we started out well, weekly. We'll know what's going on. Then we changed it to day-to-day. We'll, we'll know what's going on. And then I felt like it, it turned into hourly, um, you know, figuring out what was going on. So, you know, having that lingering over you is not healthy either. So hopefully the uh, – Hopefully it'll be as normal as it can be, and we won't have to worry about those lingering thoughts of, all right, are we are we going to have a game this week? Are we not going to have a game this week? Are we going to, you know, get shut down for a week? Is is my middle linebacker going to sit beside somebody in English class and not be able to play and be out for ten days? So, you know, hopefully, hopefully all that stuff will regulate, and uh, you know, it'll be as normal as we can make it. All right, Coach. Well, thanks for being our guest on the first show. Uh, we'll be actually out at the scrimmage on Saturday, so it'll, um, looking forward to meeting you and seeing your team. I right, guess well, and uh, I look forward to working with you. All right, thanks, Coach Britt Sherman of the Martinsburg Bulldogs, and we're just about up on a break. This segment sponsored by Hagerstown Ford. Hagerstown. 
Ford revolutionizing the car buying experience. Buy your next vehicle online. They'll deliver it to you. And if you don't like it, they'll take it back. HagerstownFord.com. We'll be back to wrap things up on the Sports Mix right after this. Hagerstown Ford. I want to thank you for your continued support of helping Hagerstown Ford's efforts to be number one in the region. As we get closer to this extremely aggressive goal, I want to recap why Hagerstown Ford should be your only consideration when buying your next vehicle. Number one, we have the best prices from Winchester, Virginia to Washington, D.C., from Hershey, Pennsylvania to Baltimore, Maryland. I assure you, price will not be the reason you don't buy from Hagerstown Ford. Number two, we have a real return policy that's better than Walmart. Seriously, if you don't like it, return it. We'll give you three days to make sure you love your new ride. And finally, we'll bring your new car, truck, or SUV to you, just like Amazon does. Never step foot in a dealership again. Stop the silly back-and-forth negotiations that make everyone crazy. It's dumb, and it's a total waste of time. Besides, we hate it worse than you do. Simply log on to HagerstownFord.com and let us make your next buying process fun, easy, and risk-free. What do you got to lose? Visit HagerstownFord.com and let us cater to you. See dealer for details. Rockwool is one of the world's leading manufacturers of stone wool insulation products and is seeking motivated individuals like you to join their team right here in Ranson, West Virginia. Right now, open roles include general operator, warehouse person, machine technician, and electrical and instrumentation technician. All Rockwool employees receive competitive salaries starting at $17.50 per hour, five-day work weeks, and eight-hour shifts, plus full benefits package on day one of employment, including health, dental, and vision coverage for employees and their families, paid time off, educational reimbursement, a 6% 401k match, and more. If you want a well-paying job and the potential for a rewarding career with a top employer that offers exceptional employee support and development opportunities, visit rockwooljobs.com slash radio for information on all current job openings right here in Ranson, West Virginia. Apply now at rockwooljobs.com slash radio. Welcome back to this final segment of our first episode of the Sports Mix. Uh, We'll wrap things up here talking about the Pro Football Hall of Fame induction. That induction included the 2020 and 2021 class that due to COVID last year, wiping out the induction ceremony and them just deciding not to do like a lot of things. They didn't do it virtual. They waited until the next year because that's something you really can't do virtual. No, not really. I mean, I guess you could have them all record their speech, but it wouldn't have the same impact uh, that you want to get out of a Hall of Fame speech, which um, it was a long weekend, though, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Kind of started on Thursday with the game uh, between the Steelers and Cowboys, and then I guess gold jacket ceremony would have been on Friday, and then Saturday 2020 class, 2021 on uh, Sunday. So if you like the history of the NFL, which I think most people that like the NFL do, uh, you had a nice weekend of plenty of football content for you. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was two great classes. It was nice to see those guys finally get to go in. Um, the 20, was it 20 people got in for 2020? Because I believe because it's a hundred year anniversary, hundred year anniversary. So some people that had been waiting a really long time finally got to go in, which I think was great for them. 
and then 2021 class, I mean, that's a loaded class. Yeah. Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, kind of the headliners. So overall, it was a great weekend. Yeah, and, you know, we were talking about yesterday when we were kind of prepping for our first day of the show was you mentioned Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson. They were in their first year of eligibility. And, you know, that's a that's a core group of players, those three players in their first year of eligibility that you don't usually see – a group like that in the for the first year you know especially next year coming up we were talking about that last night it's what steve smith steve smith andre johnson andre johnson um reggie wayne will reggie be wayne. eligible but he's not first year eligible yeah um so it's kind of a weak i, I don't want to say weak necessarily but definitely not the same level of talent not the same big names that you're you'll see with you know peyton manning and calvin who's one of the youngest people to go in on the first ballot yeah the second youngest behind gail sayers yep so that just speaks to how great he was and i kind of was thinking this morning too spencer you know where would you put him all time at wide receiver because he only played i think seven seasons yeah but he also holds the single season record for most yards in a season i mean the guy was incredible i would rank him third because i think jerry rice is number one because of longevity and still putting up numbers at the end of his career. Yeah, definitely. Randy Moss for pure talent, and then Calvin Johnson based on pure talent and having, you know, an incredible, never really having a drop-off and making him very tough to stop. That's how I would rank it, I think. Yeah, I mean, I would would very much so agree with you. There's not really much else, anywhere else you can rank that because – you know, you're not going to rank Cal- – if Calvin Johnson kept playing – He might have been number one. He could have been number one, but obviously injuries are something that, that really set him back and really was part of the reason that he retired. Yeah, well, I think it's more so he didn't want to have something to deal with when he gets to 40, 50 years old. Yeah. It was and, more so, you know, he had seen the research about concussions and stuff like that, which if you ever seen the movie Concussion uh, starring Will Smith, you know, it will make you question – yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. it will. Um, one thing to think about, though, is where would he be if he wasn't on the Lions? Well, that's something to think about. Was he put up those numbers? He might be able to have a championship. Yeah, I mean, he put up those numbers on a historically bad Lions franchise during that time period. That's when they went 0-16, I believe, when he was on the team. Yeah, he was there in, from 2007 to, yeah. I guess, 13 or 14. Um but, yeah, Matt Stafford was with him for a while, so not a bad quarterback. Yeah. But he also had guys like John Kitna, Dan Orlowski, so he didn't have the best quarterbacks throughout his time um, and still put up huge numbers, which I think also speaks to how great he was because Randy Moss, kind of similar thing, not a really consistent quarterback throughout his career except for Brady at the end. Yeah. But Joe Montana was Jerry Rice's quarterback, then Steve Young, so for, throughout his prime. Um. That kind of shows to how great, you know, all three of those guys were, though. Uh, you know, you could take any of them. I think you'd be set. Yeah, and then let's talk about Peyton Manning. There's really not much that you have to say about Peyton Manning when it comes to football. It kind of – his game spoke for itself when it comes to him his him being in the Hall of Fame. He was a no-doubt first ballot Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Definitely. You know, top five quarterback all time, I think, too. And, you know, his life is football. I yeah. mean, that guy loves the history of the game. You see it with Peyton's places, which is you know something I enjoy watching every once in a while. Um, having his dad 
uh, be his, I guess, speaker to put him in was cool too. Um, you know, there's that famous clip of Peyton, who's your favorite football player, and it's his dad. Yeah. Um, and Eli might be joining him one day too, which is a debate for another day. But I mean, that family, the talents there, Cooper's son is looking pretty good too. So, 16, I mean, and he's already got Division One offers. I right. Believe. I believe he has got one from Clemson at least. And, yeah. But in terms of Peyton, I mean, you know, a guy, the sheriff, two-time Super Bowl champ, um, you know, one of the best players to ever come through the game, one of the smartest players to ever come through the game in terms of his film study and stuff like that. Charles Woodson, one of my favorite defensive players and one of the best DBs of all time, a guy that can play corner and safety. Yeah. That's rare to see at an elite level. Yeah, but back to Peyton Manning, my point that I want to make here is you see Peyton Manning, the guy, the man, the football player, but you also see the lighter side of Peyton Manning. And I think that's something that we talked about that when we were on Eastern Panhandle Talk this morning was that kind of came out as his career progressed. He started doing Saturday Night Live with Eli and and then now he made a he made a pretty funny joke last night on his enshrinement ceremony. Tom Brady was in the crowd and he said he said, you know, one of my arch enemy or arch rivals when I played was Tom Brady and then the whole crowd booed which you know, just goes to show that you're really the goat if everybody's going to boo you. That's kind of what happens. Uh, but then he said he won't be enshrined until at least 2035 because he'll still be playing for another <laughs> however many years. <laughs> and I just thought that was the funniest moment of the night. And then he said, uh, he said Ray Lewis from 2018, he just finished his speech. <laughs> so I think it was really cool to see both sides of Peyton and especially the quote that I think that stands out is that he really – is pushing for the future of football on all levels. He said, quote, the future of this game is ours to shape. We just need to take tomorrow on our shoulders as easily as we donned our donned our shoulder pads for games. God bless you and God bless football. That's how he ended his speech. And I think that truly shows that the former players and the players currently are shaping what football is for the future. Yeah, Peyton Man's a guy that, you know, you might not have liked when he played because he was so good but then you kind of grow to like him and i think that's kind of how i feel about tom brady in some ways because you're starting to appreciate like this guy's we're never gonna see another guy play at 44 the way he plays yeah and i think that's kind of what Peyton was too and then the 2020 class you know um bill cower going in troy palmalu going in two steelers legends alan fanica goes in in 2021 class a lot of steelers donnie shell went in as well and i'm missing somebody jimmy johns well, he's a cowboy. I think I'm saying I think that that's obviously why the Cowboys played the Steelers is because they tried to right, do that. Right? Yeah. Andrew Pearson was in as yeah. well. But um, I thought it was kind of funny how Jerry Jones announced that Jimmy Johnson's going into the Cowboys Ring of Honor now. I mean, they finally buried buried the hatchet. That's there. what I'm saying. I think it's just it's very interesting, and they did it on live TV. I think that is very much so. It's always got to be about Jerry Jones. Yes, so. I think it was so much so about Jerry Jones that he just had to do it. Well, everybody's got a bad perception of my relationship with Jimmy Johnson, so let's go show on live TV that we don't have a bad relationship, even though it was probably just for the show. Right. I mean, the Cowboys got to be the center of attention no matter if they're in first place or last place. So we'll be talking about the Cowboys no matter what. Yeah, and I don't like talking about the Cowboys, but... You we, know. You and I don't have to. Yeah, but the rest of the media world will certainly have the Cowboys on the mind. That is true. The Edron James went in and right another I, Colt. I think that 
something about his was he, he kind of tied his legacies to the HBCUs. And I think that's something that, especially with, you know, Deion Sanders going to coach at an HBCU, I think that that really helps them because I think over the last few years, they've really grown and promoted themselves as football, as a football place to go for players that want, that can go to the NFL. Definitely. Definitely. I think, uh, James, just in general, you know, one of the more underrated running backs, I think of his time, because I, I felt like he should have been in already. Um, Isaac Bruce goes in as well. So some big names there in that 2020 class. And yeah, I mean, you can't, you know, every hall of fame weekend is always fun to kind of look back on those guys' careers and especially now for us, us um, kind of seeing guys that we grew up watching yeah. going in now is pretty cool. Yeah, and I think that's going to be something to see over the next few years specifically is that there'll be hopefully over the next five to ten years you'll see more people that we, you and I, grew well, up watching. By the numbers, that would make sense. By the numbers, <laughs> that would make sense, but there's also a backlog of players right. who have yet to go in. Pro football is the toughest Hall of Fame to get into. Yeah, that it is. As we're down to our last 40 or 56 seconds on our first show, Nick, you ready? Are you excited to get this thing going? Yeah. I mean, it's been a lot of fun, you know, starting this up. And, um, you know, I'm just excited we'll be doing this daily. Not on Thursday, though. But. Not this week on Thursday. The Nationals will preempt our show, and hopefully the Nats will win because I think that would make sense for they us. Have we, to they have to. they got to win because we're off. Yeah. If they, they lose, then we deserve to be on. We do deserve to be on, and that's that's our cue right now. Uh, end of the first show. Excited to get this thing going with you, Nick. Excited to see what we can do when it comes to Martinsburg and Shepard, and then be together for some college or some of the high school games, and then get ready into high school basketball season. We'll have more sports mix tomorrow on Talk Radio WRNR and TV Ten.